Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. I'm Jessica Knoll. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. This week on True Crime Chronicles. It's early morning on April 16th, 2016. 45-year-old Missy Beavers has just arrived at Creekside Church of Christ in Midlothian, Texas, a quiet town of around 30,000 people, 25 miles south of Dallas. Missy is carrying some fitness supplies as she makes her way into the church at 4.18 a.m. You see, Missy is a fitness instructor who's teaching a boot camp inside the church's multipurpose room. The class begins at 5 a.m. Missy is arriving early to turn on the lights and get her classroom prepared for clients. What she doesn't know is that someone else had already entered the church 45 minutes earlier and is lying in wait. Church security footage will capture Missy walking down the hallway and entering into a room. That footage marks the last time Missy Beavers will be seen alive. So I got a call from a, um, a woman that I knew in Midlothian. This is Rebecca Lopez. She is the senior crime and justice reporter for WFAA in Dallas, Texas. And she... Um, went to that church, and she was driving by, and she said, there's a lot of police activity there. You might want to look into it because I've heard that um, there has been a murder at the church. I'm like, what? I mean, it just seemed, um, you know, unreal because, there, A, there are not that many murders in that city. Uh, and, in fact, I don't think there had been one in years and certainly not in a church. So I drove over there uh, for the longest time, for hours. I was the only reporter there, and I watched them doing their investigation and heard that she was a fitness instructor and that she was there to do a um, sort of a, a class that she did uh, every Uh, every once in a while, like she would do them in different places, but it had been raining. So typically she didn't do it at this, at this church. And she was there early in the morning. And then she was, she was murdered by somebody inside the church. Uh, And then later on that afternoon is when they released the, that video that is now um, obviously went viral of the suspect. A developing story, police in Midlothian just released this surveillance video of a suspect accused of killing a fitness coach inside a church early this morning. You can see from these pictures, he's wearing heavy tactical gear. Police say instructor Missy Beavers walked in on this man. She was a mother of three who coached other moms and athletes as part of Camp Gladiator. She's she's definitely in heaven. She was an angel and she's definitely there. We're gonna miss her. She'd advertised it on uh, social media that she was going to be at this church and that the class had been moved there and that's where they were going to have it and uh, because of the weather. Uh, and so some of the people that were going to that boot camp, so to speak, they went to the church and they, they, they're the ones that found her. Missy was found badly beaten and had several puncture wounds on her head and chest. Police immediately cordoned off the church and began searching for evidence. Eventually, they're able to access the church surveillance system. 
As they comb through the hours of early morning footage, investigators find something incredibly bizarre. And then they release that bizarre video of a person dressed in what looked like SWAT gear. Uh, it wasn't real SWAT gear. It, doesn't look, it just looked like it was SWAT gear because they had a heavy vest. They had what looked like those uh, cargo pants with pockets, boots. And one of the things that one of the police officers uh, that was there um, at the scene told me, he's like, just notice the way that the pants were tucked into the boots. That's typically what somebody in the military would do. So I know that they were looking at that, just exactly how the person was dressed. And then they were wearing this big helmet, like a SWAT helmet. It was just so bizarre. But then police run into the first snag in the case. The cameras were working inside parts of the church, but the cameras outside that would have recorded a vehicle or any kind of, you know, suspicious behavior outside the church, they weren't working. Uh, So that was odd. And then the person broke in. So there was a broken window. That's how they got through. They broke in the, I think it was like a back door. And they got in by breaking the window in the back door and then getting in through the back door. And then, yes, they paced the hallways almost like they were looking for something. But it, to me, um, I've covered law enforcement in this city for more than 20 years in this area. I've been a police reporter for almost three decades. I've just never seen anything like this. Typically, when you have somebody break into a church, it's someone that's wanting money for drugs. So they break in, they take whatever they can, and they leave. This person was looking through cabinets, walking around, and they're certainly not going to you know, spend that much time inside a, a church or inside any place. They go in, they get out, and they leave. But this person was clearly trying to cover their disguise, and there was no reason for a person to be in SWAT gear unless you're trying to cover your face. But it's almost like it was a ruse. Like, I, to this day, and and police won't confirm this, but uh, sources and people that were close to this investigation still believe that it was someone that she might have known. Because the exterior cameras malfunctioned and with no eyewitnesses, police have no way of knowing where Missy's killer went. With no other leads, they focus their effort on the video footage to learn everything they can from it. One of the things that was very glaring in the video was the gait, the way the person walked. They focused so much attention on that. They brought in experts to look at, um, to reconstruct, like, how tall they thought the person might be, how they walked, uh, what they were wearing, all of that. They just they just did this, you know, huge presentation that the FBI did to try to figure out if they could get more information just based on, you know, maybe how tall the person was based on the video. And they even went and sized the rooms and all of that stuff just to get a better idea of the characteristics of this person. But the gate is what people really looked at. And at one point, they thought that there was a former police officer. Uh, They looked at him pretty hard because of the way he walked, but he was cleared uh, eventually. And, but they've tried all kinds of different things, you know, slowing that video down, enhancing it, looking at every little aspect. And at one point, there was a vehicle that they were looking at also that was parked a few blocks away. But they ran all of that information down, and they still, you know, didn't find anything. And to this day, there's people that think it's a woman and think it's, it's a man. They can't figure out, obviously, who it was, but they have spent a lot of time looking at that, of how the person walked. 
The case gets a lot of media attention, and soon tips and theories come from all over the country. They had over 2,000 tips. And honestly, I believe that that might have been what kind of has slowed this investigation down. They had tips from all across the country. And of course, you had the psychics. You had, oh my gosh, there's entire websites now that are dedicated to conspiracy theorists who have one thing or another to say about this case. And that also slows down the investigation because every time they get something like that, they have to go and take a look at all of that. They had this one woman that kept calling them over and over and over and over again to the point that they almost had to get a restraining order on this particular woman who's running a website right now. And it's very much a conspiracy theorist that somehow the police department was involved and all of this kind of stuff. And so that, all of that stuff, that slows down investigations when investigators could be looking at you know, who really did this, but they have to also deal with some of the nonsense that surrounds big, high-profile cases like this. And so you had the FBI come in. I mean, Midlothian is a little bitty police department. You had the FBI. You had a task force come in. You had Dallas police officers. You had Carrollton. You had people from all over the the Metroplex, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, come in just to help Midlothian get through all of the tips that were coming in because they didn't want to leave any stone unturned. And they even brought in the uh, Quantico people from Quantico, the behavioral science unit people to kind of take a look at, okay, what kind of person might do this? And so they they tried to get a a profile of who this person might be that would commit a crime like this. And then they took a long time looking at burglaries of churches. Uh, There had been a couple in Dallas. Uh, Who were the suspects? Did they look like this person? And then any time there was a person with a limp uh, in any kind of investigation, they took a look at that as well. Uh, So they they did a lot of of, uh, chasing leads down, hoping that they would solve this case. But even after all of those tips, they got nothing. Investigators start going through Missy's personal history, trying to find any clue that could lead them in a new direction. They started to look at victimology. They looked at who this person was. They start looking at her behavior and not to victim blame, obviously, but you have to look at what her, you know, who might have wanted to kill her if, in fact, it was a targeted hit. Who who would have, what was the motive uh, for her murder? Detectives turned their attention to Missy's husband. They spent a lot of time interviewing the husband, everyone around him, her partner at this gladiator fitness instruction place that she was involved with. They talked to her friends. They talked to her kids. They they did a, I mean, everything that they could to try to figure out who would want to kill her. But right before uh, she died... There were witnesses that say that there were some really loud arguments between them um, in the front yard. And they did have witnesses come forward and say that they had a somewhat of a tumultuous relationship. I think he bought a boat and some other things pretty quickly. And so there was a lot of eyebrows raised about the insurance money. The family has disputed that, saying that they were very much in love and had a very loving relationship. But uh, other people said that they would often hear them arguing the neighbors and pretty loudly. But her husband is cleared and soon all potential suspects are as well. They looked at other people in their circle uh, that they might have been with, um, but 
they cleared all of those people as well. So the first initial suspects were all cleared within weeks of the investigation. With the list of potential suspects exhausted, many in town start believing it may have been a random murder. But Rebecca Lopez doesn't think so. Now, there's, again, some people that believe that this was just random. But the fact to me that no one took anything, that nothing was taken, that they either walked there or somehow got in without them, the cameras picking anything up. Uh, So there was just a lot of bizarre things that surrounded this case that left people puzzled, like it had to be someone, at least that was the train of thought for a long time, that knew that church um, and that knew that she was going to be there. The case goes cold. With all the surveillance footage, everyone thought justice would be swift. But soon a year passes. Tomorrow marks one year since Missy Beavers was murdered in a Midlothian church. Police have video of her killer, but have sorted through 1,400 tips. But as News 8's Tanya Iser reports, it's not enough to solve this case. The morning of April 18, 2016, if you would have told me that we would be in this parking lot talking about this case a year later, I would have thought you were out of your mind. You have sad moments, you have angry moments, you have moments of where you're up here because you remember all the amazing things that she did and she said. The hardest part for us is just just the acknowledgement and uh, not knowing. And now four years later, investigators are still stumped. There's some people that think the only way they're ever going to solve this is if somebody now comes forward and admits it or knows somebody that that did it. But just every there's not been another case like it since then that the FBI or anybody can trace back to that this might have just been someone that just was out there doing that. That's what makes it look like this was somewhat isolated that maybe she was targeted because they didn't hit anywhere else. There's not another burglar that has broken in in SWAT gear into anywhere like that. It's not like it was a robbery and they they robbed her and they took anything. In fact, I don't believe that they found anything that was ever taken, not from the church. There was nothing missing from the church. So the person was there to burglarize the church. Why was nothing missing? Like nothing was missing from the church. And as confusing as it is for Rebecca, The people of Midlothian, including Missy's friends and family, still have to live their lives in a place filled with questions and with her murder still unsolved. There's a lot of um, split opinions on this case, whether she was targeted or not, whether it was random. Some people see a woman in that video, some people see a man. For a veteran reporter like Rebecca and for investigators, the case is cold with no path ahead. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It's just so bizarre. It is by far one of the most bizarre cases I've ever covered as a a law enforcement criminal justice reporter. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. So, Jessica, we talked earlier this year to Rebecca Lopez about another case, uh, if you'll recall the uh, the drug cartel kidnapping story. Remember that one? Yeah, crazy story. She's got some crazy ones down there. Yeah, and she, you know, when she first came to us and said, you know, here's a few stories, uh, and then she, she, you know, gave us sort of a preview and what they were about, and that one was certainly uh, a wild one and, and really sad. But then she 
told us about th- this one involving you know, the fitness instructor in a little town in Texas and her coverage of it. And as she says in this episode that over her decades of reporting on, you know, crime and police and, all, you know, all that stuff in Texas, this one sort of rises to the top of all her stories. It makes you realize really quickly, or at least it made me realize like, you know, yeah, this one's, this one's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, just that video alone is just, it, it's haunting. And, and to know that that person is still out there. Yeah, it's it's so weird, and I will invite our listeners, if you know they haven't already Googled this story, you can just go to WFAA.com and type in Missy Beavers. Her name is spelled B-E-V-E-R-S. Uh, not to sensationalize what happened, but if you're, you know, if you're interested in the case and this idea of this video has piqued your curiosity or, or what have you, uh, it, it really is, as Rebecca describes it, someone in full tactical gear, and they're casually walking around the inside of this church. I mean, I don't need to go on. She did a great job of describing it, but, you know, you, you really have to look at it to to get a sense of just how eerie and awful it is. And to imagine this fitness instructor getting ready for a class in the early morning hours and, and being, you know, what, you know, was she targeted? Who knows? But it, it, it's really scary. You know, and and I'm glad you mentioned the targeting part because it would seem like it was at least someone who followed her on social media, whether or not it was someone who knew her or just followed her. But the way that she was killed seems very, very personal based on, you know, the crime stories I've covered when it when it's something so savage, um, it tends to be a personal attack. I don't think this was random. Right. And, and they, you know, as, as Rebecca says, they didn't take anything from the church. You know, they're there in the early morning hours, you know, in disguise for lack of a better word. I mean, you know, they, you can't tell who they are, obviously. And it's really interesting, the investigation, how they tried to figure out, you know, again, I keep saying this as Rebecca says, but, you know, whether it was a man or a woman and looking at the gate and how they're walking around. And it, and, and it makes you think that whoever this was knew that there were cameras to be that disguised in all their tactical gear it's as if they knew this church well enough to know that there were cameras because most people wouldn't think that a church would have cameras. Um, so to me, that that kind of also told me they knew the church, they knew her, and and this was this was a planned attack. And and I think and she mentions that cameras weren't working outside. Right. You know, it's not surprising. Here we have this little town, you know, re- smallish town in Texas. Uh, that there are conspiracy theories. Um, I mean, the the size of the town actually doesn't matter. This could have happened anywhere. But, you know, for something like this to happen and then for people to wonder, who the heck did this? Are they still living among them? You know, we cover a lot of cases where I think that's an open-ended question. You never know. You know, if it's unsolved, well, then should people be scared? You know, and you don't want to plant that seed, but that seed has been planted. Right. And I think— Although if you if you believe that this was a personal attack, I think that kind of the fear would subside for that community. But at the same time, it's like when you have an unsolved case and, and this, you know, I don't know if it's still open, but it seems like it's a cold case. It's that in and of itself is enough to, um, you know, strike a court of fear in in folks that live there. And and also, that will bring out the conspiracy theorists. I mean, we found that with Bardstown. Look at all the, the conspiracy theories we had coming in from our podcast, Bardstown, because you have these five unsolved crimes, and people want to think 
there's an answer. So they start coming up with answers on their own. Um, and and like she said in, in this episode, that can really hinder an investigation because police have to look at that too. They have to look at everything that comes in, whether or not there's any bones to it or not. And so then they're looking at these conspiracy theories as opposed to looking into, you know, more logical answers and suspects. Right. Like she mentions this woman with a website who is calling the police, it sounds like, over and over again with ideas, and they have to almost like, you know, cut her off, uh, you know, bring an end to that line of that that angle anyway. And I, I wanted to mention, um, since you brought up folks could Google or go to WFAA website to see this video, I'm actually going to post uh, the story and video to our Facebook group page inside the Crime Vault. So if if folks just want to go straight to that, join, and we talk about these cases in that group, and we're going to have some special things coming up in a couple weeks that are really going to engage um, those group members. But in the meantime, for this episode, I'm going to go ahead and post that. So the the video that we talk about in this episode, you're going to get to see and see how chilling it really is. Great. And a huge thanks to Rebecca Lopez at WFAA. Uh, and, and Jessica, you mentioned Bardstown. If folks want to hear more uh, Vault Studios podcasts that are uh, available to listen to right now and subscribe to, you can listen to Bardstown, about five unsolved cases in Kentucky, also The Officer's Wife. And uh, we have a new one coming out soon, all about uh, the Tejano singer, Selena. So uh, you, can, you can check out all of those podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also go to vaultstudios.com, um, and that'll list have links to all the podcasts we are working on. Um, and like I mentioned before, the Facebook group is a great place to engage and, and talk to not only us, but other members who um, are interested in these stories and, and, and other stories that are out there. All right. Uh, Jessica, next week, uh, you are bringing us a, uh, a new uh, story, I believe. Right. Um, a 17-year-old girl in Georgia, her mom walks in and finds her dead inside their home. And this case is uh, just heartbreaking. All right, Jessica, we'll be back next week with that story. Thanks, everybody.